Ulterior. Hey yo, so here's the deal. I just started a new job this past week, and it is kind of, sort of, a little bit cutting into the time that I would normally spend recording this episode and getting the reviews for the last week finished. Um, so I'm just going to get through the intro and then go right into the music. Uh, there's a lot to cover this week, and that's why I, I don't want to rush it, but I kind of want to just get straight into what I need to cover. So, uh, this week there are new singles from the likes of Palisades, Motionless in White, Miss May I, and a bunch of others that we'll get to, and then new records from Wolves at the Gate, Angel Maker, Drug Church, First and Forever, Distinguisher, and Set It Off. So, yeah. Thanks, everybody. Enjoy this chapter. So like I just alluded to, I don't have all the time in the world, so I need to get through everything as quickly as I can, as efficiently as I can, without just kind of brushing over stuff. Although I do want to briefly mention that Cardi B shouting out My Chemical Romance on Twitter and doing fucking numbers on that tweet, that is like some Twilight Zone bullshit, guys. Like, that that was a fever dream. You can't tell me that was real. So the number one ranked song in Cinec Overlook this past week came from Palisades, and is it is their brand new single called Better. So Palisades is a band that I haven't really been able to mention them on this show like at all in the last year that I've been doing Ulterior um, because they just haven't really had any material despite Palisades being one of my favorite bands of the last few years at least dating as far back as the release of Mind Games in 2015. Uh, so towards the end of 2021, uh, Palisades announced that Lou, the vocalist of the band, was departing and he'd be replaced by Brandon, who is also the bassist for Palisades. Uh, they had a single back in December. It was called My Consequences. Very, very good song, but I never really got to talk about it. But then now they just dropped Better and that came with the announcement of Reaching Hypercritical. Their brand new album is set to be released on July 22nd. So, you know, My Consequences was already a very, very good song. Better is one of the best songs I've ever heard come out of Palisades. I fuck with this song immensely. I think Brandon, two songs in, <clears throat> I'm sorry, is very much so like just uh, conforming to the role. He's becoming very, very comfortable with his voice and expressing himself as a lead vocalist. Better has some very, very cool, just like little, uh, you know, instrumental moments in the verses, and then that builds up to this explosive chorus, and then the hook, I want to feel better, just like kind of embedding itself in my head over the last couple of days. Everything about Better is tremendous. I cannot wait for this record in July. Palisades are fucking back, and hopefully, from the sound of it, just as good as they have always been. Uh, speaking of uh, a band coming back with an announcement for a new record, um, Motionless in White, one of the biggest bands in the scene, dropped the brand new single called Cyberhex. Initiate Cyberhex. Eliminate threat. I pull the sun from the sky to freeze the future of time and drift as one through the air. 
the aforementioned new album is called Scoring the End of the World and is releasing on June 10th. Uh, big ass fucking summer we've got coming up. So definitely a lot to look forward to with the scene, um, the next few months. Um, so motionless, they hadn't really, really done anything. Like as far as a full length project goes in almost three years, um, disguise back in 2019 would have been the last one. Um, they had a single back in August. It's called time bomb. I don't believe it's on scoring the end of the world. So that was just a standalone. And now we get to Cyberhex. Um, this is going to be weird, but like, the song sounds sonically like it's called Cyberhex. There is so much happening here that is like so grimy in the electronic realm. Um, it really sounds like um, Mick Gordon's work on the Doom soundtrack and then what he did with Bring Me the Horizon on Parasite Eve. That kind of, you know, not to, you know, take a a page out of the actual name of the album but it sounds like the soundtrack to the end of the world like this cybernetic apocalypse just being voiced by chris motionless orchestrated by him for that matter orchestrated by the entire band and the way that it's heavy while being so experimental while being anthemic the way that motionless and white have been able to achieve over the last few record cycles cyberhex is the perfect showcase of where this band is headed this year and scoring the end of the world come June 10th is going to be one of the biggest fucking releases all year for the scene. Actually, looking at the next song now, this really was the week of the comeback because we got a brand new Miss May I song after five goddamn years of inactivity. Uh, the song is called Unconquered. Admittedly, I don't have the best of attachments to Miss Maya or, or like the most concrete of attachments, um, especially comparing them to the prior two bands I mentioned, Motionless and White and Palisades. Miss Maya is the kind of band that I've always acknowledged how good they are, yet if I'm being honest, it was not until the title track for Shadows Inside back in 2017 where I kind of like fell in love with the band and I started to really really appreciate them for everything that they offer the scene um and, and how they're after all these years able to still be a pillar of metalcore and then even after again five years of inactivity they can just come back with unconquered and it's like they never left that is a real testament to how good miss may i is the song itself is fucking incredible it's heavy the the chorus it is so like singable it sounds like arena ready um, it's the perfect kind of song for this band to come back on, and I, I, I'm very, very certain there's a record out this year. I know that they were working on it back in, like, 2020, but then, you know, pandemic shit happened and every fucking band got fucked over by it. Um, but it looks like we're gonna be going ahead with a new Miss May I album this year, and I cannot wait for it. Uh, did y'all know this was happening? Because I didn't. Um, a brand new movement song, it is called Barbed Wire Body. This is following up 2020's No Good Left to Give, which was one of my favorite albums of that year. Also, just one of the saddest albums I've ever heard. It's really, really hard to get through. Um, and Barbed Wire Body, 
I think sonically, it provides some bit of contrast to No Good Left to Give, again, just a little bit. Um, the song instrumentally sounds more upbeat than anything off of that record, yet lyrically, it still dives into just like as uncomfortable a subject matter as movements have ever ventured. So take the chorus right here. You've got a barbed wire body, always armed up to the teeth. Everybody knows you're lonely, but if they hold you close, you're going to cut too deep. Um... The song fucking rules, man. And mo movements just rule in general. Um, this is a band that, like, you know, is taking, like, post-hardcore, the, the more, um, like, emo side of it, and kind of just acting as, like, not even pillars for it, but, like, forefathers, if you want to go that route. Movements just feels like the biggest band in that realm, the best band in that realm, and Barbar Body to me shows that they can take on any kind of a sound and just be leagues ahead of everybody else around them. There is a new single from Alistic. This one is Superstitious. It's freaking me all I'm paranoid. I can't something wicked this way comes. Are you superstitious? Cause I'm dealing the cards. Seven years of bad luck if you If I'm not mistaken, this is only Alistic's third song, like, ever. Um, she is a goddamn fucking star. I expressed that towards the end of 2021 when I talked about Piano, and I named it one of my top 100 favorite songs of the year. Um, piano was incredible, and Superstitious is just as good in my opinion. I think this song has, like, a really cool, almost like a Latin feel going for it. Um, just the way that the guitar work sounds, it really plays so well into the style that uh, Alistic delivers vocally. Um, the story being told in the song is also just like really, really fun in my opinion. Um, the, the hook of the line or the hook of the song being, are you superstitious? Cause I'm dealing the cards seven years of bad luck. If you ever break my heart, it's straightforward. It's to the point. It is such a cool, infectious and catchy kind of pop song again, mixed with like other Latin elements. Um, uh, Superstitious is really, really sick. I love Alistic. I think she does great work. And the cons as long as she can display consistency throughout the next few singles or record or whatever it is that she's going to be ultimately doing, um, Alistic is going to be a star. There's no way she doesn't end up in that echelon. The final single that I will be going in depth on for this episode is Satellites in Motion by Destroy Rebuild Until God Shows. And along with this came the announcement of the first drugs record in 12 years. It is going to, be, or actually 11, my bad. It is going to be called Destroy Rebuild. It drops June 17th. Uh, so Destroy Rebuild Until God Shows or Drugs, whichever, you know, way you prefer to say that name. Um, I mentioned this before. It is fronted by Craig Owens, who used to be in Chiodos, one of my favorite bands of all time, one of the most pivotal, pivotal bands for, I can't fucking talk on this show, man. One of the most pivotal bands of my adolescent years when it comes to like shaping my interests in the alternative scene. Um, so for that reason, Craig has always been like a really, really important and special voice in my life. So any chance I get to hear new material from him, it is a treat. Uh, Satellites in Motion 
it packs the same ferocity that um, the other Detroit Build God, Until God Shows single from a couple weeks ago. I believe it was called Destiny. The the same amount of like aggression and like just overall catchiness in uh, what was found with Destiny is also present in Satellites in Motion. I think this is an incredible song. I enjoy everything that drugs are doing. I enjoy what they've been doing their entire career, even though, again, first record in 11 years. Uh, June 17th is going to be very, very special for me. These were the remaining singles from last week that I gave either a 4 or a 5 to in the reviews on social media. New Day by Alice in Wonderland, Transcendent by Aviana, Closed Casket by Cohen, Drugs in Miami by Codis, Shadow Blur by Elysion, Lost in Doubt by Fame on Fire, Flames by Future Palace, Drama King by FYKE featuring Kellen Quinn, Mad by Glasslands, Ornaments from the Wall by Greyhaven, Raining in Toronto by In Her Own Words featuring Jonathan Vigil from The Ghost Inside, Ten Digits Away by Koyo, Trying by Mint Green, Backseat by MNYS, Rich Kids Ruin Everything by Modson, Sensitive by Mothica, Bizarre Adventure by Notions featuring Oriukin, Simon Vendetta by Strawberry Girls, Telescope by Tala, Can't Help But Hate by Terror featuring Corpse Grinder from Cannibal Corpse, Hollywood by Thornhill, My Life by Two Feet, Play the Part by Two Feet, and Win Scarlet by Windrunner featuring Valiant Hearts. Um, so those are all the singles from last week. Uh, all of them got either a four or a five. Another really, really good week for singles. Let's keep that energy going, all right? This might take a little while, but just, you know, let me have some space to try and formulate all of my thoughts about these albums and EPs and relay them to all of you to the best of my capabilities. So I'm going to start with what was honestly my most anticipated album from last week, that being Eulogies by Wolves at the Gate. I did talk about every single for this album in the singles reviews ever since last fall. So I haven't like shied away from expressing how I feel about Wolves at the Gate. And this gives me the chance to finally kind of expand on that discussion. So Wolves at the Gate, for anybody who doesn't know, is a Christian metalcore band. I discovered them almost 10 years at this point. Uh, off of Oh the Depths, which is off of their debut EP. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. Um, we Are the Ones, is that what it's called? I'm actually just going to go ahead and check because uh, it's going to bother me for the rest of the review if I don't uh, try and remember what the fuck I'm even talking about. Is it We Are the Ones? Yeah, it is. We Are the Ones from 2011. Uh, again, the song was Oh the Depths. It is one of my favorite like metalcore slash post-hardcore songs ever made. Um, that's kind of a recurring theme when it comes to Wolves at the Gate in terms of like how I view their discography in a totality sense. So it's not just Oh the Depths. There is also 5x5 Five Five from 2014, which I spent way too long referring to as VXV because I didn't know any better and I was a little dumb shit. I still am, but this is pertaining to the mid-2010s. 
Um, so five by five, there are two songs on that record that I go back to all the goddamn time relief and east to west. I could listen to those songs for like hours on end guys. Like I hit my microphone right now. I love those songs with all of my goddamn heart. Uh, I keep saying goddamn, which is very antithetical to the nature of wolves at the gate. I'm not doing that intentionally. Um, so wolves at the gate, again, a Christian metalcore band, um, the lyrics to their songs dip heavily into a Christian nature and like speaking the gospel and just like, you know, spreading the word of Jesus and all that stuff. Um, I, I, I don't want to get into like a religious discussion because I have my beliefs and I feel like everybody is, you know, obviously entitled to whatever it is that they believe in or don't believe in um for full transparency i myself i i don't really know what i would identify as in terms of like a label um my beliefs over the last year have changed just over like the course of some of the traumatic stuff that i've experienced um i I used to identify as atheist i would say now i do believe in a higher power i do believe in a deity can i say definitively one exists no i can't but that's just where my head is at now. So to get a Wolves at the Gate album with this mindset that I have now, it's it's eye-opening to say the least. It gives a different spin on their material um, that I didn't necessarily have beforehand because I could listen to you know their, previ- their previous album, Eclipse from 2019, and not make any religious attachments to the songs, yet still fuck with them immensely. And I feel like that is the case with eulogies. Now I do notice the religious connotation, but I feel like if I didn't, I would still mess with this material just as heavily without that context. Um, sometimes when I review albums, I try to go in order of the singles rollout, but for Wolves at the Gate, I'm going to start with Lights and Fire. That got released as a single back in the middle of January, I think it was. Um, light and fire. I, okay. Don't want, don't want to say this. The likelihood of this actually like getting any kind of attention is not there. So I feel like I can say it and I'm not like really spoiling anything for the remainder of the year. Um, so my intention for December is to once again, do what I did this past December and rank my top 100 songs of the year. It would take some god-tier, goaded shit from other bands to cause Lights and Fire to not make the top 20. Lights and Fire might be my favorite Wolves at the Gate song ever, and that is with consideration to the other songs I just gassed up, like Oh the Depths and Relief and East to West, Lights and Fire is one of the best songs of the year so far, in my opinion, and maybe at large one of the best songs i've ever heard it has such an avalanche by bringing the horizon feel to it almost eerily if i'm being honest but i think wolves at the gate took that sound and crafted something really memorable and special with lights and fire it's like above being catchy and like you know kind of aggressive it's heartfelt it's touching i can listen to lights and fire and not feel so um engulfed in the overwhelming sadness that I normally do. Lights and Fire, with its charging emotion, 
is able to kind of like bring some spirit out of me and that song does so much good for me and it's crazy to think that like something like music can have that effect on a person but that is what I experience whenever I hear Lights and Fire. The record opens with Shadows which got released as a single back in October. Um, so not gonna lie, whenever I press play on Shadows, the first song that comes to mind is Doomsday by Architects. And again, like, you know, I can't lie about that. Uh, it, it sounds like a broken record at this point to say like, oh, this metalcore song reminds me of Doomsday. Yeah, so does every other fucking metalcore song ever made since 2017, apparently. Um, it's not like a, like a stark, uh, similarity, I would say, but it was just something that I did notice. But, I think Wolves at the Gate were able to kind of craft Shadows as their own and make it this monstrous album opener that perfectly sets the pace for the rest of Eulogies. The song following Shadows is called Peace That Starts the War. That was a single prior. Um, what I think that song does to kind of contrast Shadows is show what Wolves at the Gate can do when kind of scaling things back. Peace of Starts the War is still very much so a metalcore song, yet the verses feel just like more spaced out in comparison to Shadows. And it kind of shows like, okay, with Shadows, you hear this band when they're just like operating at 110%, 110 speed, and then Peace of Starts the War, they're able to just be a little bit more experimental, for lack of a better way of phrasing it. Um, with Kiss the Wave, the third song, that one, um, it feels like so in alignment with what has been happening with alternative metal over the last couple of years. Like, this band, you know, they dip into their Bring Me the Horizon bag, their Bad Omens bag, um, you know, other bands that have ventured into that realm of Mice and Men. You get those vibes with a song like Kiss the Wave, but it doesn't feel like Wolves at the Gate is like trying to copy anybody, trying to mimic anybody. They have their sound down. They know who they are. They found that you know, core sound on, uh, um, uh, Eclipse and they're expanding on it with eulogies. And I think they're doing a stellar job at that. And again, they're doing all this while mixing in their own, um, religious testimonies. So you, you can't avoid that with this record. You, you can't hear it and not think about what it's saying religiously. Maybe you don't feel it, but they're very much so making it apparent that this is what they believe in. Um, a song like Weight of Glory, that's one that I, I think I can use as a good example of how they don't shy away from their beliefs. Hands that I see holding on to me, they are pierced from all the suffering on that cursed tree, all this suffering momentary, harbor harbingers for a weight of glory, all my darkest sins and my misery thrown into the depth of the deepest sea. And maybe if you hear the term Christian metal, you're expecting something kind of ballad-like or slow. You get that with the song No Tomorrow, which spends its first half just building itself up really beautifully and majestically. And it, it it's one of those kinds of songs that shows off every range within Wolves at the Gate to perfection, in my opinion. I think they were able to take No Tomorrow and, you know... I would have thought they'd have done something like this more often on eulogies. If anything, I'm surprised that this is the only song that really dips into that realm to a great extent. I really want to highlight the final three songs on this record because the stretch that that uh, ending course expands, it is amazing. I 
was so taken aback by how good those three songs were, even with the knowledge that I already fucking love Wolves at the Gate so much. Um, out of sight, that is my favorite non-single from the record. If I'm being honest, it's probably my second favorite song on the record behind Lights and Fire. And maybe momentarily last Friday when I was hearing eulogies for the first couple of times, maybe I thought out, out of sight might have the dethroned lights and fire as the pinnacle of eulogies in my opinion i think out of sight it does an amazing job in its opening second kind of like building this atmosphere that again feels so beautiful and you have the knowledge that it's going to explode into something heavier but then even when it does that it feels like so just um um beautiful i really can't think of another way to explain that it's such an easy song to get into because it does kind of fit every trope set by the scene when it comes to the songs that you can look at and be like oh this reminds me of bring me the horizon oh this reminds me of lincoln park yes out of sight is that song but at the same time it is that song in terms of like just what it's able to do for eulogies that is followed by Embracing Accusation, and I mentioned No Tomorrow, and I said that was kind of the only song that had, like, the real slow nature that I was kind of expecting from more of Eulogies. Embracing Accusation, it does have those elements, but I felt like it was kind of a little bit more emphatic with its delivery when it gets heavier. Um, and y yeah, the name Embracing Accusation... Uh, admittedly a little sus um but it again it just dips into everything that this band stands for religiously um the father of lies is coming to steal kill and destroy and my hopes of being good enough i hear him saying cursed are the ones who can't abide he is right hallelujah he's right the devil is preaching the song of the redeemed that i am cursed and gone astray i cannot gain salvation embracing accusation it, it, it's a it's a sermon sure like that is what's happening here but again i just i really believe that this is the kind of song and at large eulogies is the kind of record that you can find solace in even if you don't buy into the religious aspect that wolves at the gate are speaking about i was able to do that for years you know before finding some kind of faith um and i i, I never was turned away by the nature of wolves at the gate i never felt like they were being like too preachy too christian-esque whatever I, I i've loved wolves at the gate for a really long time and i'm able to kind of just like expand on that love now from there the closing track silent anthem feels like this accumulation of everything that was happening up to that point in eulogies it's the longest song in the record at five minutes and 27 seconds never once does a song feel like it's fluffing that runtime in any manner it's heavy, it's beautiful, there's like this piano bridge that perfectly sets up the outro that feels like, you know, not to give like a religious metaphor, but like clouds are opening and there's like sunbeams and shit, it's fucking enchanting, dude. I love Silent Anthem, I love Eulogies, I love Wolves at the Gate, and I want to finish off this review saying that, you know, even if you don't identify with this band's beliefs religiously, there's something to adore here by everybody, I think. This is an amazing record. I have gone back to it so many times over the last week. Not once in the runtime am I ever bored or just ever kind of lose interest in what I'm listening to. Wolves at the Gate kept my attention and they're going to keep it for the foreseeable future. 
I feel like this band is operating at the level that they've been building to ever since We Are The Ones. They are at the top of their game, at the top of the Christian metalcore scene. They have it right now. I think Wolves at the Gate are in as good of a spot as they have ever been. Uh, what do I want to review next? Uh, so let's counter a Christian metalcore record with a deathcore record just to provide some variety for y'all. Um, the new album by Angel Maker called Sanctum. I'm going to go back to something that I touched on very briefly last week when talking about Vein FM because I remembered something about like a a story from two summers ago um, and how that applies to Angel Maker. So I, this isn't me like trying to name drop anybody bigger than me. This is just, you know, genuinely part of that story. So uh, in May of 2020, I was... Okay, I paid to be a guest on the State of the Scenes Patreon. Uh, it was the um, Who Wants to Be a Hot Cash Millionaire? I think that was the name of it, where essentially Sam just asked me a bunch of questions about the scene, and I either got them correct or incorrect, whatever the case was. And one of the questions he asked me pertained to Diarda's murder. And I told him that of every genre in the scene, Deathcore was the one that I was the least well-versed in. And not that I didn't listen to Deathcore, because I definitely did. I have fucked with Deathcore for a very, very long time. But in comparison to other genres within the scene, like Metalcore or Post-Hardcore or Pop Punk, Deathcore, I didn't have all the knowledge on, and I can admit that. Um, so over the course of that summer, I kind of went on like a like a heavy music kick. And I say heavy music so that Vein FM can fit into that echelon because they're not deathcore, they're hardcore. Um, but one of the records that I discovered in that period was the self-titled Angel Maker record from 2019. Uh, that album is just fucking diabolical and maniacal and all these other phrases that I can use to try and describe how goddamn heavy that album is. I really, really liked it. And maybe my love for the self-titled is what's creating some bit of a disconnect between myself and Sanctum. It's not a great disconnect, but I cannot attach myself to the material present here on Sanctum the same way that I did the self-titled. And I'm going to try and see if I can use my words right now to figure out why that even is, because I don't really know if I have that answer yet. Uh, you get into the opening song, or rather, it's kind of like an intro. It is Slaughter, and I think this is one of the shining moments on the entire record. Slaughter, I think, does a very good job at utilizing all minute and 54 seconds of its runtime. It establishes immediately what Sanctum is, what it's going to entail, and how this is probably the natural progression to go from the self-titled Angel Maker record into Sanctum. Um, you know, just really, really shows off the brutal nature of this record perfectly in a short, timely manner. Uh, Creator's Conscience, the second song. The opening guitar work, to me, that bit of the, of the track showed like hints of, um, death metal as opposed to just deathcore like it kind of harkens back to 
what Lorna Shore have been doing ever since Immortal. Um, and, you know, I, I can't say for certain if that was the influence on Creator's Conscience, but that was just something that, that came to my brain. Uh, I love this trend for Deathcore because I think this kind of death metal fuse is what can really show another side to a lot of these Deathcore acts, and I think it does that for Angelmaker. And a similar thing with Creator's Conscience to Slaughter, it never feels like there's a filler moment in the runtime. Everything hits, everything is vicious, it's all necessary. Uh, you get into Eating the Body of God, and I think this is another song that like really shows off the heaviness of Angelmaker and the brutal nature that possesses them. Not to like be demonic or anything, but that's kind of what I want to... Uh, emphasize and like how my brain was processing these sounds um there's a like a part throughout it or not a part but there are several parts throughout eating the body of god i can't fucking talk on this episode guys eating the body of god where it's just instrumental but it maintains that level of aggression and maybe at times accelerates it even um want to get into effulgence and i hope i'm saying that correctly uh Efulgence is some fucking uh, Wordle type of word. I say that because Wordle is really, really fucking me over lately. Um, so Efulgence, I want to say like once I got to this track, it was kind of becoming a little bit repetitive. Maybe there wasn't enough variety to maintain my attention to the extent that I would have expected going into Angel Maker's new album. Um, so I, I still really enjoy the song, yet... I could sense from there, like, okay, there's definitely not the same connection that I had to the self-titled. Uh, there's a track on here called Gutless. It's also a sub-two-minute song, and what I like about Gutless is how it is still a heavy song while providing some level of contrast compared to the other songs. It's heavy, but there's nothing about the instrumentation that is, like, fast-paced, you know, there's no, like, crazy double bass shit, no crazy guitar work. It's very straightforward and like, again, you know, metal in its nature, but it does a lot of good for Angel Maker, I thought. I felt like the two songs that followed Gutless, those being The Great Grey Flame and What I Would Give, those do a lot more of the same that's happening with Sanctum. And again, I don't want to say that it's repetitive, but I couldn't necessarily pinpoint like moments in these songs that were able to stand out and give them their own character. They do blend together. I did end up finishing this record thinking okay, which song was which for some some of these? Because they don't all do the best of jobs at distinguishing themselves, in my opinion. Uh, Lazarus is another really short song, and I feel like those shorter tracks, so what I've mentioned with Lazarus and then Gutless and uh, Slaughter, they are the ones where I felt like that short format pays off so well for Angel Maker because I'm able to retain more from those tracks than I am some of the other ones and granted sure they're shorter songs but I feel like that short runtime really forces Angel Maker's hand in crafting some uh, more brilliant moments I would say. Um, the back-to-back -back combo of Bloom and Exit Signs being the closing portion of Sanctum there was a lot there for me to really appreciate. Bloom is an instrumental song and it takes its time in the initial moment to really build itself and be different from the rest of Sanctum and that is what helped make Bloom one of the standout songs on this record in my opinion because again 
It was able to stand out. It was able to develop its own character. I didn't get Bloom mixed up with anything else on this record. Bloom really stands almost above everything else on its own. Exit Signs is... So, I don't want to say Exit Signs is like uh, the culmination of the record. It kind of sounds like it could have just gone on in the middle of the track. But to harken back to what I mentioned earlier with uh, Creator's Conscience and the like potential influence from what a band like Lorna Shore have been doing over the last two years, three years, um, Exit Signs feels like it falls into that same category. So I felt like it did a good job at ending this record on a positive note. And positive is what I really want to emphasize with Sanctum. I did like it. I do think it's a really, you know, cool piece of work. Um, if you're into Angel Maker like that, you're definitely going to love Sanctum. But maybe there were just like some moments that lost me ever so slightly. But, you know, those little gripes cannot take away from the talent found within this band. Every member holds their own. They all show why they have... Um, you know, some level of supremacy when it comes to the best deathcore musicians out there. Uh, just in- incredible work all around. I would have liked a little bit more variety, but ultimately, Sanctum is a good album. I just have to admit to myself and everyone listening that I would be lying if I said this is on the same level as the 2019 self-titled album out of Angel Maker because I don't believe that it is. Uh, let's get into drug tricks now and talk about the new album called Hygiene. So I've actually been keeping up with the album rollout for Hygiene for a minute now. Um, my Spotify, like, timestamps, date stamps show November 11th as being the day that I added Million Miles of Fun and Detective Lieutenant to my library. And uh, admittedly, once I got towards the end of the year, I definitely wasn't paying as close attention to the songs that I knew for sure would not make the top 100 songs of the year list. So I heard uh, Detective Lieutenant and Million Miles of Fun acknowledge that I liked them, but that was kind of it. I never went in depth on Drug Church. I never singled out any of the singles in like the little spotlight shit that I do at the start of every episode. But listening back to those two songs, I felt like... What they ultimately accomplished was they showed off much of what hygiene is made of. And that element being, to me, this sounds like a love letter to the 90s, for lack of a better way of really phrasing it. I can hear, like, you know, a lot of grunge elements, a lot of punk. It just sounds so strange in the sense that these aren't really songs that I probably would have gone out of my way to discover if Hygiene wasn't an album presented to me through, you know, the singles rollout over the last few months. Um, Detective Lieutenant, uh, okay, I know this wasn't 90s, but Pixies is what's coming to mind when I hear that song. There's just something about the slow but not slow nature of it that does a really good job at, like, stamping itself onto my brain. And then Million Miles of Fun, 
I would say that's one of the standout moments on the record. That's one of the highlights. Million Miles of Fun, I listen to it, and, like, I can just feel, like, you know, the 90s influences coming through. Like, I can sense, you know, some Nirvana, some uh, Alice in Chains. Sunny Day Real Estate, I can pick up from, you know, a song like this, and not to a great extent, but that's something that is, like, you know, kind of prevalent. Uh, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, all these 90s bands... I can find within Million Miles of Fun and at large find them all throughout Hygiene. And then once you get into the two opening songs, Fun's Over and Super Saturated, I can still hear the 90s influences all throughout that, but also at the same time, there were a lot of contemporary acts coming to my brain. Like, the immediate one was Can't Swim. I felt like that really jumped out at me to some extent, not a great one, but just a small, slight extent. Movements was another act present in my brain. Um, and I'm listening to these songs and I'm just thinking like, what the fuck is Drug Church actually going for? Not that they need to be going for anything specifically, but like, I hear these songs and I grow curious, like, what were the writing sessions like? Like, what were they kind of, you know, throwing back and forth? What was the influence on this record? Because I feel like they dipped into so many avenues that ended up paying dividends for the overall sound of hygiene. And I say that because I personally would not have ever gone to a writing session thinking like, okay, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, Sunny Day Real Estate, Can't Swim, Movements, like, that's not something that presents itself in my head. Um, Ocean Grove, I want to also throw out there because I feel like there's a lot of what they've been doing ever since um, uh, Flip Phone Fantasy back in 2020 that... I can hear bits and pieces of that on hygiene. And again, it's just like, where did this amalgamation come from? Um, actually, that brings me to another point now that I'm looking back at the track listing. So, the song World Impact. Um, a little bit of thrash metal, maybe? Um, so, I, I don't know if anybody listening would have heard of the band Power Trip. Uh, rest in peace, Riley. Um, Power Trip, they're one of the, you know, more prominent names over the last few years in thrash metal. I can sense some of that in World Impact, and again, it's like, what were they going for? Not that it, again, not that they needed to be going for anything, but like, there's just so many different influences affecting the sound of hygiene in the best of ways. World Impact is still really good. It, it's one of my favorite songs on the record. I love like the the moments towards the end where you really get to hear like the bass lines come through. It's just like such a cool song, and it has the perfect transition into Premium Offer, which I would mention as another one of those like pixie-esque songs um so to go you know back to back between world impact and premium offer there are many other moments on this record that i feel like can uh like really show the versatile range of drug church and the complete fucking pull of influences that they just comfortably swam in for the recording process of this album um piss and quiet great name by the way is another song that shows like what drug church drug church can do when they're uh displaying their aggression and the closer athlete on bench that one again is able to kind of show like what they can do with a more melodic based direction and uh, there's so many different things i could say about hygiene that i know i didn't get to in this review because i feel like almost a week later my brain is still trying to process what it was that i actually heard because i there's there was a lot going on with hygiene um this is not an album that 
I think people should be missing out on. I think everybody should listen to hygiene at least once through and see, you know, what it is that you can find about the album that you like or you don't like. Um, this is a pure noise records release. So I would imagine that, you know, some people in the scene have heard about it already. Um, and if they haven't, it's going to come across their radars at some point. Uh, and I'm trying to relay that info to all of you now to just get everybody to listen to hygiene at least once. I feel like it's an experience that everybody in the scene should expose themselves to in some manner because this is a mind fuck to say the least. Uh, we're almost through. We've got two EPs and one album left to get through. Uh, and I'm going to go into the new first and forever EP right now called till death do us part. I think first and forever, I have mentioned them when talking about like miscellaneous singles for the week, but I've never gone in depth on them. The first time I heard of this band was a year ago on the EP Let This Love Lie Dead. Uh, so that was actually released on March 12th, 2021. And Till Death to His Part came out March 11th, 2022. So almost exactly a full year from that EP's release. And I wonder if that was like intentionally done on the part of first and forever. Um, so this was supported by three singles, Sick Little Games, If There's Smoke, There's a Fire, and You Would Never. Sick Little Games, that song reminded me a lot of, like, early Set It Off, and I don't mean to say that because I'm going to talk about Set It Off later on, but, like, when I say early Set It Off, I mean, like, the theatrics that you could find with Horrible Kids and Cinematics, I can kind of hear a little bit of that spread throughout You Would Never, and it's a really, really good song. Uh, Sick Little Games, my bad, not You Would Never. Um, Sick Little Games is a great song. The single that followed it, If There's Smoke, There's a Fire. I would say that one still stands tall as my favorite song on this EP. Um, you get more of like a... I don't want to say like a throwback post-hardcore sound, but I can hear like... Um, elements from courses that you would have found back then through you know bands like my chemical romance or from first to last or the used i can just hear that the silverstein you know off of discovering the waterfront that is the prevalent sound of their smoke there's a fire not necessarily structurally or instrumentally but more so vocally and i feel like it's a a great way to pay homage to that era of music even if that wasn't the intention um and then you would never it does something similar with post hardcore while sounding more upbeat in its nature it's not really upbeat compared to sick little games or if there's smoke but just like the i guess like the the pitch and the chorus and just the way the guitar work sounds it comes across as more upbeat but it still has all of those emo layers that i think first and forever are doing a really really stellar job at displaying to their audience so far um and then for the two songs that were not singles uh the title track and then the harder we fall um, the title track, Till Death Do Us Part, there are these really cool, like, almost electronic elements in the verses, um, and not electronic in the way that, like, maybe a band like Bring the Horizon did, or Motionless and White on the recent single that I just talked about a few minutes ago, but it just kind of has, like, um, that modernized feel to it, and I really enjoy that, um, level of variety for the title track, and then The Harder We Fall, 
It scales things back slightly while, again, retaining that kind of emo sound that is, you know, found all throughout Till Death Do Us Part. And it's found in ways that makes the replayability of this EP as infinite as you can possibly get for an EP. I have heard this over and over again the last couple of days, and I wouldn't say it gets better and better. I feel like I have reached um, a very good and high, for that matter, baseline when it comes to how I feel about Till to- to Death Do Us Part. I think it is a great EP. Is it perfect? Maybe not. Um, I-, I also think that Personally, I am ready for something larger from First and Forever. Um, you know, Let This Love Lie Dead, I thought it was great, and I feel the same way about To Death Do His Part. I want something of a larger format out of them. I think they're capable of carrying a full album. Um, you know, this is the kind of band that they can really only grow from here. I, I don't see any reason why there would be any kind of a downward trajectory for First and Forever. If anything, it's going to go upward, like, massively, guys. Um, if you're not on the train for this band right now, get on it, because First and Forever are going to be doing some really, really cool things in the future, and I think that was only reaffirmed with Till Death Do His Part. Let's talk about the new EP out of Distinguisher called Under the Weight of Things I Couldn't Change. I think Distinguisher falls into the same category as First and Forever in the sense that I have mentioned the singles for this EP, but never did I go in-depth on them. And not because I didn't like the singles, but I just, you know, in those given weeks with uh, Without End and Open Letter, I just felt like there was other material I would was uh, more interested in talking about, let me put it that way. Um, so my journey with the Singlisher begins last July when they released Violent Reaction. Um, that ended up not making, uh, under the weight of things I couldn't change, but as a standalone, I thought Violent Reaction was good enough for me to at least become interested in the idea of the Singlisher and being like, okay, who is this band? Like, what are they? What do they have to offer outside of this? Um, and then in January, we got the lead single for the EP, which was Without End, um, so I, I already knew that they were a heavy band and I truthfully don't know what I would categorize them as because there are elements of like, you know, the, the three main like core genres, uh, metalcore, hardcore and deathcore. I can sense elements of all three kind of finding a home on, on under the weight of things I couldn't change. Um, so, uh, with, without end, I, I don't ever want to be that guy who just like, you know, fucking comes over breakdowns and whatnot, but the breakdown on without end is God fucking tier, like on another level, guys. It it is heavy and just gross and disgusting, and it, it's everything I could ask for from something of this caliber. And a lot of the same things apply to the single thereafter, which was called Open Letter. It features Joe Bad from Fit for an Autopsy. And combining Joe with the overall sound of Distinguisher, it's just like one of those, um, one of those pairings that, you know, even when you see it on paper, you're like, yeah, that makes sense. That probably fucking rules. And guess what? It does indeed fucking rule. Open Letter is an amazing song. 
Um, one of, I'll say one of my favorites on the EP, I'm still trying to decide like a favorite because I feel like everything here just really carries its weight perfectly. Not to like make a pun about the EP name, but that is the sense that I'm given off of this material. Um, I absolutely adore the way the EP begins with Point Willow and how it like really like gently holds your hand through that song and it never like really really gives you a glimpse of what's going to happen with under the weight of things that couldn't change but i feel like that was done to the benefit of the ep because if you're coming into distinguish for the first for the first time and you hear point willow it's more than likely going to like you know capture your, your attention and your interest because it doesn't show you the full picture right away and then you get into by design and even then i don't think you're given an entire grasp of what's happening like by design the outro of it feels like so um, I, 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 carnival-like was the, the thing that came to my head, and I don't really know how to get that point across or emphasize what I really mean, but by design's outro, it just has, like, this chaotic feel to it while being kind of slow, at least in comparison to the heavier moments on songs like Without End and Open Letter. Um, and then the two songs that close the EP, Dying Light and Coffin of Pain, Dying Light it has like a new metal flair to it, still with everything else I mentioned about metalcore and deathcore and hardcore, but I can sense, uh, you know, again, like new metal elements being sprinkled into it. Uh, Slipknot is the easiest comparison, but I would also say like early Kane Hill stuff I could pick up on Coffin of Pain. And then, um, actually Dying Light, my bad, not Coffin of Pain. Uh, Coffin of Pain, it has like this really brooding nature to it, and some of it is a little bit slow. It's definitely a lot more melodic based than anything else on the EP, yet I feel like that was a really good way to close the EP because it gives you this sense of a different side to Distinguisher without fully showing it to you and maybe being like, you know, uh, acknowledging that this EP could be taken as more of a teaser for an upcoming record than anything else. And, um, you know, with that notion, I think Distinguisher have made an amazing marketing tool when it comes to Under the Weight of Things That Couldn't Change because, again, it shows you who they are without showing you the full picture. Like, I know there is more to this band than, than this EP is letting on, and I already think it's a perfect EP. So if I feel this strongly in favor of Under the Weight of Things That Couldn't Change as an EP, I genuinely can only imagine what a full-length record out of Distinguisher at some point in the future, whether it be later this year or sometime next year, what that's going to sound like, I can't even fathom, but I would imagine it is going to be monstrous, it is going to be versatile, and it's going to be something that I want to come on this show and champion the way that I'm doing this EP. And finally, we have the brand new album from Set It Off. It is called Elsewhere. So here's my time to shine. Here is my time to once again paint the picture that is my history with Set It Off, all the ups and all of the downs, because with some of the bands I talk about on these shows, I, you know, kind of have to do a little bit of research and at least try and remember, like, what did this sound like? What did this thing not sound like? Set It Off is one of those bands that I just have everything, like, off the dome and for better or worse, honestly. Um, so my, you know, d journey, if you want to call it that, with Set It Off begins in 2011 because 
um, that year, there were a couple of songs that like, no matter what I did, I couldn't escape the thumbnails on YouTube. It was just like always, um, you know, there and in my face. Um, and so the, the song I'm talking about is at reply. Um, that was off of the horrible kids EP. I don't know if it was the, the lead single. It had to have been, but, um, hor- or, um, at reply. I could not get away from it. Couldn't escape it until one day I was just finally like, okay, you know what? Fuck it. Let me listen to this because you know, when it comes to songs that are just like, um, embedded into your YouTube recommends, I went ahead and listened to reprobate romance. Uh, I went ahead and listened to you won't be missed by like Mouse of flames. Let me go ahead and listen to at reply and just see what the fuck this thing is. And I was completely blown away by what I heard at reply honestly might be one of the best songs I've ever listened to in my goddamn life. Um, the, the way that it was like, you know, theatrical and strange while maintaining a level of catchiness. Like I thought I wouldn't hear anything like that again out of, except for get scared. I didn't think I'd hear anything, anything like that out of a band since my chemical romance yet here was set it off, delivering it to me with at reply in the most grandiose manner I could have ever imagined. And then horrible kids itself as an EP is also just fucking tremendous because we got songs like breathe in, breathe out. And then the title track horrible kids. I, was sold on set it off from that one ep you get into cinematics in 2012 and everything that i believed the band was was just reaffirmed and i'm sitting there with the collection of songs like cinematics and just could not understand like you know how did this band fall into my lap per se like how did i happen to be so lucky to come across a band as talented as set it off and I had the chance to see them live at the end of 2014. It was okay. I remember dates and shit like pretty well. So don't judge me. You can judge me on a lot of things, but not my memory. Um, December 13th, 2014. It was the black mass tour set it off was opening for, uh, black veil brides and falling in verse actually falling, falling was opening or they were supporting black veil, but set it off was kind of the opener drama club was, but I didn't see drama club. I got there late. Um, so set it off. And they were coming off of Duality, which I believe is a perfect record. I cannot have my mind changed on that. Duality has been there for me, you know, almost eight years later with songs like Forever Stuck in Our Youth, like NME, like Wolf in Sheep's Clothing. That record is a part of me, and I've always admired that body of work in a similar way that I do, you know, some albums that have meant the world to me in the past, like From Under the Courtship by Fall Out Boy, for example, or Riot by Paramore. I truthfully put duality in that echelon. Um, and then the band goes into Upside Down in 2016. And I would say with Upside Down, it gets a little bit tumultuous. And some of it is the band's fault. Some of it is my own. Um, I remember, um, what was this, the uncontainable? Was that the name of it? The lead single, the one that has like Cody Carson doing boxing in the music video. Um, it's okay, but it felt like, um, the band not ripping off centuries by fallout boy, but looking at that song and being like, okay, what can we do with that kind of a sound? And is that where set it off head to head? I don't fucking know, man. Maybe not, but I at least admired them taking a chance and trying something new. Um, 
there are a lot of really, really good songs on uh, Upside Down. Um, I, I think um, Something New is great. Um, Crutch is really, really cool. Um, what's the one? Life Afraid. That one's like a weird, fun song. Um, hmm. Okay, I came into this review not knowing if I wanted to mention this, but I'm going to go ahead and do it anyways because I feel like it could be therapeutic. It could be cathartic. Um, there is a song on Upside Down called Diamond Girl that used to mean the world to me. And I want to say really quickly right now, I'm just going to rush through this. The two of you who are responsible for that song meaning nothing to me anymore. Fuck you. Go fuck yourselves forever. Um, anyways, um, Midnight in 2019. I... Um... I don't know. I truthfully don't know how I feel about that album all this time later. I think there are some decent songs. Killer in the Mirror, Lonely Dance. They're okay. For You Forever, I would actually say is pretty good. And then the rest of it, I actually struggle to remember what it sounded like. There was not much retainability when it came to my experience with Midnight. And I didn't know how to feel about it. Because I thought, like, am I falling off on Set It Off? Like, is it my fault? Am I just not really understanding this material? Um, and, you know, uh, I guess a little bit disheartening, but at the same time, I understand it is what it is. It'd be what it be. You know, there are definitely a lot of bands out there that change their sound, and sometimes it loses me. You know, Asking Alexandria being a big example of that. So I was okay with not really feeling strongly in favor of Midnight because I at least had almost the rest of Set It Off's discography to kind of be by my side. And then we get to Elsewhere. It's literally been three years since the band had done anything with, you know, Midnight. Actually, they had some, like, stuff with the bonus material off of Midnight. There was a song that came out the end of 2019. It was called Catch Me If You Can. I think that's actually really, really good. Um, but otherwise, there was no material to the band until the lead single for Elsewhere a couple of months ago called Skeletons. And I'm very, very sorry that it took this long to actually get to elsewhere, but I had to explain my history with Set It Off because it is very, very, um, uh, big. I don't know where I was going with that. Um, anyway, Skeleton. Oh my fucking God, that song rules. Like, dead ass, no cap. That is a goddamn song. Skeleton is so well-paced, it's catchy. The instrumentation being so minimal in the chorus and giving like uh, a pathway to Cody Carson being able to show off his vocal range, I felt like all of the right steps were taken for Skeleton, and it made for the perfect lead single, and off of that one song, I was like, hey, set it off back, like, it, it's happening. I felt that the two singles following Skeleton, those being Projector and Who's in Control, did also amazing jobs at showing the pop side of Set It Off and how far they have come in the development of that sound. Um, this sounds like a band who, you know, took the last three years and really, like, focused in on what might have been the disconnect between uh, the material on Upside Down at Midnight, and then the consumers. And in my opinion, they fixed every single issue that I could have found with those records. Uh, one of the ones being memorable moments. I would say that Elsewhere is just flooded with moments that are able to stick with me. Uh, you know, Skeleton and Projector being the two opening songs, I feel like that sets the pace right away in terms of just how catchy and energetic the whole record is going to be.
Some of the things that I feel like Set It Off might have done in the process of putting Elsewhere together was look at not only what they have done in the past, but also look at some artists outside of alternative music altogether. So with Cut It Off or Cut Off and Loose Cannon, I think those two songs display like some fraction of the theatrics I mentioned with Horrible Kids and uh, Cinematics and kind of put the modern day set it off pop rock spin on those. And it, it works tremendously well, I thought. I, I feel like the choruses on those two songs really stand out and shine. And this is a record that has nothing but choruses that are able to be put on a pedestal. Why Do I was one of my favorite songs on the album. Um, there's like this like kind of 80s feel with the instrumentation in the chorus especially. I would say... I, w I would compare the way that Why Do I Sounds to Straight Up by Paula Abdul. That was kind of what came to my brain almost immediately. It just has like that kind of a feel to it. And, and Cody being able to kind of uh, like bounce his voice off of the instrumentation, it's so, so fucking sick. The song coming after Why Do I is as good as it gets. Um... So the opening guitar work came in and it's very muted and it reminded me a lot of uh, Youth by Daughter, which is also maybe the saddest song I've ever listened to in my life, by the way, just throwing that out there. Um, as good as it gets, though, it's also kind of sad in its lyrical nature, but it's one of those kinds of songs that the the sorrow within it is masked by how just like upbeat and popish the instrumentation and the production on it sounds. Um, the chorus of As Good As It Gets is absolutely phenomenal, guys. I cannot stress enough just like how easily this song was able to, you know, uplift me despite being kind of a downer in a way. There's a streak of uh, songs later on, Taste of the Good Life, Why Not Me, and Dangerous. All three songs achieve three different things, I would say. Um, Taste of the Good Life. I think that song has more of those early theatrics from Set It Off that I mentioned beforehand. Um, Why Not Me, the chorus in particular on that song, I think has a little bit more of an alternative rock nature to it, at least in comparison to the overwhelming pop theme spread throughout Elsewhere. And then Dangerous is another song that really embraces pop and, and all the good elements of pop music for that matter. Um, playing with Bad Luck, this song appears uh, towards the end of the record. Um, God, man, I, I don't even know where to begin with playing with Bad Luck. Um, this was so, 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 so close to being number one in Scenic Overlook. I had to listen to that song and Better by Palisades just like over and over again, back to back, to try and make a goddamn decision. And I ultimately went with Better by Palisades, but playing with Bad Luck is... I, I don't want to say this is like peak, set it off, but I have listened to Playing with Bad Luck on repeat for the last week, just fucking ad nauseum. I have made it elsewhere's version of forever stuck in our youth which is off of duality and what i mean by that is when duality came out and i finished listening to it for the first time in full i went back to forever stuck on our youth just repeatedly for a, a long time years even guys playing with bad luck has that potential i remember listening to the song and i was trying to figure out like what the the melody of it that intro portion reminded me of because it was definitely one of those songs that like 
I'm just sitting there like, I've heard something like this before. I just don't know where it came from. And I thought maybe it was um somebody I used to know by uh, Gaudier or Gaudier, however you say that guy's name, the guy that fell off the face of the fucking earth after making that song 10 years ago. Um, and, and then later on, when listening to Playing a Bad Luck, it hit me, On My Mind by Illy Golding. That like a uh, little uh, guitar melody that you can hear in that song that is what is present with playing with bad luck and i think set off do a great job at crafting that kind of a sound to their own style that is present all throughout elsewhere playing with bad luck's chorus it's explosive it's catchy it's has that pop nature to elsewhere it has a little bit of the of the theatrical stuff i've been mentioning with set off's older material playing with bad luck feels like the most um, like, um, cumulative song that Set It Off have ever made. It's like you're going through the entire journey of this band, you know, a, a, a decade plus. And Playing With Bad Luck does an incredible job at setting that stage. And from there, in the closing stretch of Elsewhere, you're treated to more songs that, again, show off these different areas that the band have mastered uh, a craft at at this point. You know, Peekaboo being another like pop centric song, Catch a Break having a little bit of a rock nature and then better than this being the slowest song on the record and really like building itself up in this masterful manner. And, you know, by the time that that song comes in, I'm just listening to it and thinking like they really, really did this elsewhere is perfect and it's not necessarily the easiest records of get through to get through. And I can acknowledge that it is 16 songs long. So there definitely has to be a level of commitment to, um, you know, getting through elsewhere. If you're on the fence about set it off, if you're not like a major fan of this band, you look at that 16 song, uh, you know, running span and it might turn you away. And I understand that. But at the same time, I feel like if you skip out on elsewhere, you could be skipping out on one of the best albums of the year. I don't deny the possibility of this record being able to maintain that status come December. Elsewhere is a fucking masterful piece of art that I honestly didn't really expect because of how up and down my relationship with Set It Off had been up until this point. They just, you know, completely vanquished any kind of doubt that I had about the caliber of this band and the potential of everybody involved to deliver some truly memorable songs because that is all that compromises elsewhere. It is memorable and I'm going to keep listening to songs like Skeleton and Why Do I and As Good As It Gets and for sure definitely playing with bad luck over and over and over and over and over again because these songs mean something to me this album means something to me and once again set it off as a band they mean something to me and that's it that was every album and ep and single from last week that i had to talk about uh for this episode and again guys um the the scheduling for weekly episodes and even the social media uploads it might be a, a bit chaotic as I try and adjust to my work schedule. And even then it's going to change again once like I get through training and then I, I actually start like work for real. Um, so for the time being, just, you know, bear with me, give me some space to try some stuff. Um, I, I don't intend on not finding the time to get through the reviews and the podcast because I just did it, you know, for this week. So it's definitely possible and attainable, and I'm going to do my absolute fucking best to make sure I get these episodes out to you guys every week, still. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and 
as always, for better or worse, let's make a scene.